0: Over the past week, we've seen some developments in first daughter Ivanka Trump's role in the White House. First, she was supposed to have an office in the West Wing and be given a security clearance, yet not become an official government employee. But then, Wednesday afternoon, after pressure from watchdogs questioned the ethics of the arrangement, Ivanka announced that she would change course and become an unpaid government employee and an official assistant to her father. So that new arrangement addressed some concerns, but not all concerns. Ivanka's newest role still faces ethical and legal challenges. I'm Allison Michaels, and this is Can He Do That? A podcast where we explore the powers and limitations of the American presidency. Today, though, we're flipping the script just a little bit, and we're asking, can she do that? How do potential business conflicts and issues of nepotism factor into Ivanka's arrangement? And with First Lady Melania Trump taking a back seat, is Ivanka filling in the gaps? Here to help us figure that out is Krissa Thompson. Krissa has spent several years covering former first lady Michelle Obama, and now she's moved on to covering the first family of the Trump administration. So she is the best person to help us out on this. So glad to have you here, Krissa. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Can you lay out for us some of the things that we've seen from Ivanka that might seem unusual compared to former first children?
1: Oh Well, here's the thing. We have not had an adult first child anywhere near Washington in recent memory, so everything feels new and different and uh, potentially historic, and especially with her recent decision to take an office in the West Wing, which does take us to completely new territory.
0: Yeah, and specifically, you know, we knew Ivanka as this woman who ran her own business, who helped out with the Trump Organization as a whole. But she also had this other part to her, which was kind of her causes and some of her campaigns and some of her side, her side hustles, if you will. Can you speak a little bit about what she did before her father decided he was going to run for president?
1: Yeah. So, you know, by all accounts, we know she grew up in the spotlight that she was a relatively good student, went to Georgetown and. Um, the Wharton School of Business and worked her way up through her father's organization. So there's that part of her as sort of the real estate executive. Um, she worked as a model for a very short period of time. Um, but she also founded her own lifestyle brand. So we also have to think of her as someone who's been involved with branding, branding herself for a really long time. Um, and part of that is as a woman who works and as a young woman who works. And when you look at her sort of self-branding on social media, you see her in the office place. You see her um, with her children. You see her going back and forth between these two lives and doing it in a very, stylish way where you know she's conveying a message Um, and so she's developed a following outside of politics in that lifestyle brand and so now we see a moment of her like trying to merge both the political and policy with this brand of Ivanka and so that's what makes her a really interesting figure Um, and a complicated figure, right? Was she involved in politics and policy at all prior to this? No, not really. Um, You know, the issues that she's interested in when she's talking about child care, um, she's talking about policies around maternity leave, those are all things that were part of the conversation on her lifestyle website. uh, And that, you know, maybe she's touched on in interviews and that sort of thing, but we hadn't seen her coming to Washington to advocate for any sort of specific policy but as a part of her father's campaign and even on the national stage at the Republican National Convention, she talked about her role in his administration being you know making sure that women had a seat at the table and that these issues which have you know traditionally been thought of as gendered and quote unquote women's issues um, that she would be a part of pushing those forward. Yeah, so we haven't seen anything like this in recent history, but you can go back further in time and see first daughters uh, who were a force in their father's administration. So uh, we're going to talk to Carl Anthony, uh, who is a first lady historian, and he'll tell us about some of those women.
2: You've got a number of different women who rather prominently come to mind. Maureen Reagan was, you know, the daughter of, Ronald Reagan by his first marriage. During Reagan's 1984 reelection campaign, Maureen Reagan, who took a, a, an official position at the National Republican Committee, really played an important part in bringing to her father complaints and grievances on women's issues that she felt were being ignored by the GOP leadership. And it prompted Ronald Reagan to speak up, being more inclusive or at least sensitive to women's issues from the GOP perspective. Then you have somebody, really, who took on an extraordinary and, I think, stressful role and did so out of love for her father, and that was Julie Nixon Eisenhower, starting with the re-election campaign in 1972 she began to speak at rallies and really interpret and explain uh, to voters much of what he hoped to achieve. That signaled a role that, although relatively brief, really was unprecedented for a first daughter uh, in the uh, early months of the second Nixon administration starting in January 73. You'll actually find on YouTube one or two recordings of the Nixon secret a, a telephone recordings between himself and his daughter Julie. Could
3: you ring Julie, please?
2: Yes, Mr. President.
3: Hello. I have Julie for you, sir. Hello.
2: You are. Hello. Hi, Daddy. I just
3: want to check see how Pittsburgh went. Oh, it went very well, really did. Oh, good, sweetie. I thought it did, and um, today in the. Um, some paper down here. They
2: then, as 1974 progressed and the inevitability of either impeachment or resignation loomed, Julie was the one uh, in the family, not her mother, not her sister, uh, nor even to a certain degree her father, took on the issues of how this was emotionally and mentally affecting him and the family, in terms of of the levels of stress it created. Anna Roosevelt really played an important part in FDR's uh, last years as president. So important, in fact, that even though Eleanor, his wife, had said she wanted to go with him uh, to his conference at Yalta, he specifically chose Anna. But she did not serve in any way as a policy advisor to him. And then you have perhaps the most famous presidential daughter of all, Thea Roosevelt's eldest daughter, Alice Roosevelt, who was a child by his first marriage. Alice was incredibly loyal to her father's political fortune. And, and everything she said and did was always geared towards her father's political success to the point that she also became something of a an agent, if you will, on his behalf. So she marries a Republican congressman, Nicholas Longworth, in a large White House uh, wedding. She then uh, dropped her loyalties to her husband's uh, Republican Party and and became a visible figure and her father's primary companion at rallies and events. And so that was a rather unprecedented role. And and there you have an example of a daughter married to a congressman, putting loyalty to her father before her husband.
1: So let me ask you, Carl, as a historian, how do you think about Ivanka's decision to take an office in the West Wing and get security clearance Where does she fit in uh, into the historical context?
2: I see her role as not in any way illegitimate because it's a role that presidential spouses play. The fact that he so greatly trusts her judgment seems to me that it's, it's something, you know, it's an important role, meaning... If she's going to be traveling, as we understand, she'll be making a trip to Germany and will not necessarily be a daily presence there for him, to me that indicates the level of importance that he feels she could play in in fulfilling this role.
0: A question that I think a lot of people have is how much influence does Ivanka Trump actually have over her father? Can she change his mind about things, as has been reported? Can she really, you know, determine his agenda? How much how much sway does she have?
1: Well, when you talk to people who are close to Ivanka, you know, they're clear about the fact that this is not her administration. It's not. It's not her agenda. Um, But. She supports her father, and she wants to make an impact, and she sees this as a real opportunity. Clearly,
0: there have been other children who've played a role in their father's administrations in one way or another. So what makes this case particularly different?
1: It's interesting because Ivanka Trump is seen as very influential, not just personally important to her father, but in possibly helping to move him politically and on policy, people see both she and her husband as sort of bridges. So those who might be Democrats or socially liberal or, you know, not a part of her father's orbit, uh, see them as people that they can go to to bring up issues with and hope that she then has some influence and sway in his decision-making. And so the idea that she's playing that kind of advisory role is is very different. A couple other things that make it unprecedented. I mean, she still owns her business. She stepped away from the day-to-day operations, but she still has that company. And, I mean there are all these nepotism concerns, right? She is his daughter, and that's something that we have to consider. For more on the laws around this to help me understand it
0: better, I spoke to Richard Painter. He's a law professor at the University of Minnesota, and. He was the chief ethics lawyer for former President George W. Bush. I should also note here that Richard was one of the watchdogs that I mentioned earlier. He was one of several lawyers who signed a letter sent last week to White House counsel Don McGahn. And so you know where he's coming from. That letter said that Ivanka should become a formal White House employee because the middle ground was a little bit ethically murky. And as we mentioned earlier, Ivanka has since done so. Here's Richard. What's striking to me is that we've seen Ivanka physically at the table with German Chancellor Angela Merkel, for example. And Ivanka's really involved in these high-level meetings. So is this unprecedented to have his daughter sitting there with him at these high-level foreign leader meetings?
3: President Kennedy had his brother Bobby Kennedy as attorney general. And uh, he was sitting in on quite a a lot of high-level meetings. Uh, there is a question whether the anti-nepotism statute that was passed after the Bobby Kennedy episode uh, would prohibit this, uh, but the Office of Legal Counsel has opined uh, on the very last day of the Obama administration, the Office of Legal Counsel of the Justice Department rendered an opinion that the President of the United States could appoint a family member to the White House staff without violating the anti-nepotism statute. I'm not sure if I agree with that opinion, but it's a, it's a close enough call that the I think it's reasonable for the president to have gone ahead and appointed Jared Kushner to the White House staff, and he can appoint uh, Ivanka Trump to the White House staff and, and give her a security clearance for the for the uh, work she needs to do.
0: So you mentioned anti nepotism laws there. Just for the sake of our listeners, can you go ahead and explain what the anti nepotism laws are and you know how they apply here?
3: The anti nepotism statute was passed in the late 1960s. Uh, For a number of reasons, there was a lot of nepotism going on at the post office, people getting family members jobs. Uh, Some people resented that that President Kennedy had appointed his brother Bobby uh, to be attorney general. Uh, President Lyndon Johnson was one of the people who uh, felt strongly about that. And a number of uh, members of Congress had their wives on the payroll. And so the decision was made to to pass an anti-nepotism law that prohibits members of Congress and also executive branch officials, including the president, from wanting relatives to positions in agencies and departments uh, that they oversee, and that included the congressional staff. Uh, the debate is whether that applies actually to the White House and the White House staff, or whether some subsequent laws with respect to the White House staff and override that and give the president the prerogative to appoint anyone he wants to the White House staff, uh, uh, but uh, uh, not to the agencies.
0: Specifically, to the point that she is not paid, people have said uh, Trump surrogates rather have said that 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 means that she doesn't violate this anti nepotism law. Does the payment have anything to do with it, from your perspective?
3: I don't think that uh, whether she's paid or not would be given substantial weight in a determination of whether uh, this violates the anti-nepotism statute. I, I think the uh, critical issue is whether there's an exception for appointments made by the president to the White House staff because of other laws that give the uh, president what appears to be a better discretion over the point of the White House staff or whether the anti-nepotism statute is a is an exception to that. Uh, but I don't think the amount of pay is the, uh, uh, is the most pertinent issue.
0: So Ivanka is obviously a business owner. She no longer has control of her brand's day-to-day operations, but she still owns her company and she still earns money from the business. I think a lot of Trump supporters looking at this might say, so what? Why, from your perspective, is it problematic to have somebody who has business interests like this in, in such a capacity at her father's side?
3: Well, it's not problematic if she follows the law. Uh, because uh, the law is not going to change for her. This statute does apply to her as a government employee. It applies to everyone but the president and the vice president, and that's the criminal conflict of interest statute. The statute prohibits an employee of the executive branch from participating in government matters that have a direct or predictable effect on their financial interests. So she cannot get involved in government matters that affect her financial position. And that would include, for example, uh, trade negotiations involving uh, textiles, uh, the clothing that she imports from a number of different places, including China, I believe. Uh, We cannot have her involved at all in uh, those trade negotiations. And Jared, of course, her husband can't get involved in those either because the spouse's financial interests are imputed to the government employee for purpose of the criminal conflict of interest statute. So she and Jared have got to stay away from trade negotiations uh, that affect imports of clothing, uh, because that's the business she's in.
0: So you're saying that if she were to violate this statute, then it would be a problem. I think we've seen some cases here, uh, specifically, of course, the Nordstrom's incident, um, in which the president, you know, criticized Nordstrom's after they made a decision to remove Ivanka's merchandise. He publicly criticized them. Um, I think we saw Kellyanne Conway, you know, touting some of her products, including her shoes during White House or as part of a White House press briefing. So... Did those things violate this statute? Have we already seen her violate this statute?
3: Well, no. First of all, she did not participate in any of that. I understand she was not a government employee at the time. Uh, Second, she didn't participate in that. I understand that she was actually quite upset about the Kellyanne Conway episode. Uh, And uh, uh, the violations were by the White House staff. Uh, that engaged in that conduct, and that include uh, Sean Spicer, who uh, got into the merits of the dispute with Nordstrom in an official briefing. Uh, That wasn't a violation of the criminal statute, though, because they were not furthering their own financial position. Uh, Kellyanne Conway doesn't have an investment in uh, Ivanka's business, neither does Sean Spicer, but they were violating an office of government ethics rule that prohibits the use of public office for the promotion of anyone's private gain. If you use the White House office to promote your own financial gain, that's where you violate the criminal statute. Uh, But I do not see evidence that Ivanka Trump uh, did that.
0: We've talked a little bit about Ivanka's relationship with her father, but there's another figure here which you have more expertise in. What is Ivanka's relationship like with Melania?
1: Well, publicly, they have been very supportive of one another. I mean, Ivanka said from the beginning that she did not come to Washington to be first lady, uh, that Melania would be a remarkable first lady and people should sort of wait and see what she's going to do. But up till now, uh, you know, Melania has been primarily in New York, uh, still with her young son. And when she has come, she has been playing the role of... Hostess, you know, she's helping to redecorate the White House living quarters, those sorts of things, the traditionally in house first lady roles. The ways in which we see Ivanka operating in that role have been the public moments, you know, speeches given, uh, acting as a surrogate both during the campaign and now, going with her father, you know, when Melania hasn't been in town, as sort of accompanying him in that capacity. So she is seen, Ivanka is seen as an advisor uh, more so, where um, Melania is seen as a domestic partner.
0: Moving away from um, Ivanka's relationship with her, with the the, the women in her family, let's pivot towards some of the other men in her family, specifically her, her brothers. So you've got Don Jr. and Eric, they now run the Trump Organization. I think some people have made this assumption based on Trump's actions that Ivanka is his favorite child um, and that her brothers have this different kind of relationship with him. How has her relationship changed as a result of that perception? Has it changed at all? Can you speak
1: uh, to I think there has been a long acknowledgement within the family that Ivanka is the favored child <laughs> um, <laughs> publicly. And so y- we sort of know that. And if you see Washington as the prize, she got Washington and her brother's didn't. She got the White House and her brothers didn't. Um, so you have to imagine, you know, that there's some strain there. How could there how could there not be?
0: Yeah. Now you talk about Washington as the prize. What is her end game here? Does she see it as the prize because she wants to run for office? You know, she's already very powerful in her own right, being a very wealthy person with her own business and a, a big role in another business, or at least in the past she had been. So why Washington? Why is that the prize? And what's her endgame?
1: I mean, it's Washington. So you have to ask those questions, right? And and those are always the questions around public service. Is the person in it for um, power or for the public good? And I think in part with Ivanka, time will tell. When you talk to people who are close to her, they say that she sees this as an opportunity to advocate on issues that have been near and dear to her for a long time. And she was a, a very young woman when she started to work with um, the United Nations, with the Girl Up campaign, and those sorts of things. So she has a track record of being involved in sort of helping women and girls advance. And so... Will we eventually see her on Capitol Hill pushing forward legislation uh, regarding child care and maternity leave policies and those sorts of things? I mean, what what will that look like? All of that is still being formed. So one issue
0: along those lines that a lot of people have raised is is this feminism argument, which, you know, to some degree is is very active on Twitter. A lot of people have a lot to say about this. It's certain policies that her father has. Uh, claim to advocate for or certain interests of his would seem to be in conflict with Ivanka's ideas and the things that she that she celebrates. So what do you make of that argument? Is this valid that Ivanka seems to be a contradiction uh, or is it kind of just hype?
1: You know, I think I think that there are interesting questions there that the reporters who have been writing about her would love to have her answer to sit down and interview. Uh, and I think that debate is going to continue to swirl. Um, you know, in May, she is releasing a book called Women Who Work. Uh, the proceeds will go to charity, but there's going to be a moment to consider her ideas again about working women. And I assume she'll be engaged in some conversations around that, and those are the very kinds of questions that people are going to be looking for her to answer. So Ivanka
0: has faced a lot of criticism for her approach to this, but are there some merits to, to what she's doing?
1: Well, we, we have to remember that especially for Women in political families and in the White House, that there are a lot of old traditions around their roles. So, I mean, this is a little bit different because she's in the West Wing and not the East Wing, but it might be okay for these roles to evolve a little bit. Does uh? political spouse necessarily have to be in charge of hostessing. I mean, some of that comes from our ideas about what a political marriage was and what a political wife should do and that sort of thing. And so, you know, if she is not locked into our ideas about what a political daughter should be, then, you know, that might challenge some of those old notions.
0: So one question we often present here is what what does her father give? gain or lose politically? Does this play out in the long term as politically advantageous for him or could it harm him because of perceptions of ethical conflicts and business conflicts?
1: He clearly adores his daughter and wants to have her close and trusts her immensely. And so I don't think he is worried about suffering any political consequences because of that. I mean, during the campaign, we definitely saw her in the role of serving as someone who humanized him, who put a soft touch on um His relatively hard policies and his approach, you know, they have very different styles, which is something that we hadn't really talked about. But she is a very careful person. She chooses her words carefully. She thinks through what she is going to say before she says it. It's clear even as she is deciding what her role is going to be in Washington. She's had dinners and private roundtables. She's talking to people from different communities. You know, she is really... Um, laying out, uh, the road very carefully in not in a bull in a china shop kind of way which is how people tend to think of her father. And so their social
0: media accounts are almost a microcosm for that entire idea, right? No,
1: that's that's exactly that's exactly right. She is an Instagram carefully curated sort of person with beautiful photos. They're sending a message, but you you get to interpret that. She's not, you know, telling you necessarily What she thinks. And so um, I think he sees that as valuable. And I think he, you know, also respects the fact that she has built this brand and this following and is here to help.
0: So I present this final question to you, as we do here on Can He Do That? Essentially, legally and ethically, can she do this this time? Can Ivanka do this? Can she act as an advisor to her father without violating any rules? Can she do this?
1: Well, we know she's doing it and she's going to have to tread carefully. In some ways, she's inhabiting the sort of gray area that First Ladies have always inhabited, right? Where they have an official role that's also unofficial. They don't get paid, but the country expects them to do all sorts of things this is complicated for her by the fact that she still owns a business and now she's in the west wing can she do it only if she's very very careful great Krissa, thank you so much for being here glad to be here
0: For more coverage of The First Family, you can follow Krissa Thompson on Twitter. That's at Krissa30, K-R-I-S-S-A-H-3-0. And you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Mikes. I wanted to give a special shout out this week to Linda H. Linda H. submitted this story idea to me via email. You guys are welcome to do so. Linda, thank you so much for the recommendation. Keep them coming, guys, and we will keep bringing episodes to you every Friday. Thank you so much for listening. Can he do that is a team effort here at the Post. It is produced so well by Carol Alderman. We've gotten additional help this week from Bridget Reed Morosky. Rachel Orr offers design direction, and our logo art is the work of Loren Boglio.